Welcome to Embrace Your Brain with Dr. D. Joy Coulter. These short weekly brain bits give you fresh glimpses into how your mind works and how to develop its natural brilliance. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to explore what it's like to be sequestered with three-year-olds. It's often a little bit easier than the challenge of two-year-olds. Part of that is because we get to talk to them. If we look at how the child's body and brain develop, it's fascinating. They take turns oftentimes. There are a few periods where the body and the brain are developing at equal paces. But very often, it's either the brain's turn and it has a spurt, or it's the body's turn and it has a spurt. So from one until about three, the body was having a turn, learning to move and balance and walk, and finally now it's time to learn to talk. Actually, the timetable for when to learn to talk is quite varied. There are instances of babies that are six months old starting to talk. So it's fine to talk first, but if you have a child that's talking and not walking so much, be sure you're working on the motor development too, so they're not just talking heads. So now we have the three-year-old. Is it beginning to talk? Maybe. It depends on when the wiring is fully hooked up. So once the wiring for language is set up, the breath changes too. Instead of having an automatic breathing that they don't have to think about, they now have voluntary control of their breath. So now we have the child who's able to regulate their breath, who can't stop wanting to learn words. And they run around saying, what's that, what's that, what's that? And we have to have the patience to name their universe for them. It's as if they're a little prince or princess discovering their kingdom, and they want to know what we've dubbed everything. What do we call this, and what do we call that? So as they ask for the names of things, be careful not to just give them labels. You know, if somebody has a new baby, you don't go up and say, oh, what have you labeled your baby? We say, what have you named your baby? And then we listen to how they say the name. So when a child says, what that, and they point to a horse, don't just say, well, we call that a horse. Say, that's a horse. Speak as if you were a poet, because they want to know the breath as well as the name and the tone of the name. In fact, they're going to hear tone much more clearly than they hear words, especially when you're talking. So if you're mad at them, they can be stunned at the fact that you're mad but they may not be figuring out why you're mad because all they hear is the sound of your voice, not the words in your voice. You can even be mad at something else and have that on your mind as you speak to your child. And you may get back what I did when my son was young. I was thinking about something that irritated me, and he listened to me, and he said, Mom, that's not a very nice tone. I had to simply drop that thought before I could speak to him in a way that he thought was okay. So now, how many words are you going to say to the children? Are you going to talk incessantly because now it's time for them to learn language? Well, have you ever tried to learn a new language and then gone to that country and tried to speak it? Boy, by about noon, you're fried because they talk too fast and you're busy trying to translate and your brain just can't go any further. Well, their brain is doing the same thing. This is their first language, but it is a language, and they're doing the best they can. So when you speak, 
slow down, repeat yourself as much as you'd like, because that helps them too. And don't worry about having too many words. Of course, it's also possible to have too few. In the Appalachian area in Virginia, they'd noticed a couple decades ago that the children were showing up to school way behind the kids in town. And when they looked at why, they followed the children at home and discovered their mothers didn't tend to talk much. So they taught the mothers what they called motherese. How do you talk to your children while you're working? You're just describing what you're doing, and you visit about this and that and what you're noticing. And sure enough, once they learned to do that, the children were just fine. They were ready for kindergarten just like everyone else. So what about praise? That's really puzzling. You'd think that you'd want to praise them a lot. So they did a very interesting study with three-year-olds. They set up two different rooms. One room, the children had a table with art supplies, and when they sat to work, the teacher would come over and praise them. Oh, that's very nice. Isn't that interesting? Very good. And in the other room, the teachers didn't do that. If they came over, they just asked what the child might be drawing and whether they were having a good time with it. After about two weeks, the children that were getting a lot of praise didn't choose the art table anymore. And the children that weren't being praised were learning how to satisfy themselves, and they loved the art table still. So the other time that I see that is around toilet training. If your child automatically toilet trains before three, you can gloat and feel satisfied about everything. And you have friends then who are tearing their hair out because their child has hit three. And there's something about three that tells us, that's it, man. I was going to wait that long and no longer. Now you have to be toilet trained. And so now the fight begins. And then the praise begins. And it just goes into a vicious circle of trying to draw too much attention, trying to get angry, trying to get happy. And it's exhausting for the children. One little one had a great way to put it. Mom, no big smiles, okay? So there's one more thing that it's important to understand about the three-year-old and this language burst. We could look at it as the broken vase scenario. I'm sure it's played out in your lives too. So let's suppose that there's a vase and it's within reach of the child and you say, don't touch the vase. And later they go over and touch the vase, and in fact, it falls and breaks. Well, now you get mad. You say, what did I say? And they look at you, and they remember what you said. You said, don't touch the vase. And then you say, and what did you do? And they think about it, and they said, I touched the vase. Now, to a grown-up, that sounds like defiance. And indeed, it would be if we were saying it. But they're just telling you that when you said don't touch the vase, the word don't doesn't have much power, but vase did. So then they started thinking about that vase, and they touched the vase, and it broke, and they can't tell you it's okay, Mom, by the time, but they would like you to know that they're helpless until they're about four and a half, no matter what the words are, they can't obey them yet. The wiring for impulse control is down the road a ways. In fact, two and three are the highest times for child abuse, and that's a big part of why. Because they hear you and they honestly cannot 
obey. You can terrorize them to where they think cut, touching the vase is going to be a death sentence, but you don't want to startle and scare them through life. You just have to move the vase until they're about four and a half. If you're enjoying these podcasts, I think you'll love my book, Original Mind Uncovering Your Natural Brilliance. It's available on Amazon and at EmbraceYourBrain.com.